Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. We are here to celebrate Fachi because number one, Pacers basketball is back. And number two, this is year number four of Setting the Pace. Fachi, wow, what a milestone. Ooh, time is flying and it has been a blast along the way. Four years deep and the boys ain't going nowhere. I got to admit, Fachi, it's really easy for me to kind of remember the time that we started this because... My wedding anniversary isn't just like three days. So oh, there we go. What's really funny is why in the world did I decide to launch a podcast five days before I got married? Bold move. <laughs> I mean, I could definitely say that my wife would be thinking, I, I think we got some other stuff we got to focus on. But hey, shows the talent of you being able to multitask. I mean, absolutely. be held the fort down while I was on my honeymoon, whatever. But with that being said, Fachi, a lot of things to talk about today. We got Tyler Smith coming on from Mini Sports Legends to talk with us about Media Day. But we also have some other transactioning news to talk about. The Pacers, once again, have released some players, signed some new players. Fachi, uh, just kind of give us an update on what's going on now with the Pacers roster. All right. We're finally making a little bit of news. Emphasis on the little because, yeah, these moves are minor. But the Pacers moved on from David Stockton, Benny Boatwright, and Gabe York, and in the process, signed um, Justin Anderson, Langston Galloway, and Norvell Pell. Uh, so, look, do any of these guys stick with the roster? I really don't know. But Justin Anderson did lock some time with the Pacers. But uh, to sum it up, I mean, Alex, do you want to get into why these signings had any significance? Uh, you know, basically why they lasted so little amount of time? Yeah, I know that there is a... Uh a little bit of a bonus here for some of these players. If they do uh, sign a, an exhibit 10 deal, um, it gives the team the opportunity to convert a deal um, into a two-way eventually, right? If they sign an exhibit 10 deal, but also um, if the player that was signed and then let go plays for the Pacers G league team, the Mad Ants for 60 days, then they can get up to a $50,000 bonus. So, you know, it's a cool little way to kind of reward some of these guys on your minor league team to, to pay them, a little nice bonus. So, like, that's why you're seeing, like, David Stockton and all these guys. Some of these guys were traded. I believe Norvell Pell was just acquired in a trade not too long ago for the Mad Ants. Same with David Stockton. So, all these names that you're seeing, guys that are already on the Mad Ants, guys that were, you know, traded for this offseason, um, all of them are now 
going to get some type of bonus if they stay on the roster for 60 days. And I think that's just a nice way of the Pacers rewarding those guys, despite not giving them that extra opportunity to maybe, you know, be on the training camp roster. No, absolutely. So I think it's always nice when there's some transactions going around. I mean, Gabe York, someone who was on the two-way deal uh, last year, but I knew the odds were stacked against him. Out of this group, is there someone that you see potentially sticking around or logging somewhat decent minutes for the Pacers as the year goes on? Not really. Um, not on the two-way deals. I mean, Kendall Brown's the only one there, and they actually did go ahead and wave Justin Anderson and Norvell mm-hmm. Pell yesterday. So right now, I don't even know who's currently on the 20-man roster. We know Langston Galloway was brought in on a deal, Fudgy, and it's probably very similar to what James Johnson was brought on, that Exhibit 9 deal where it's non-guaranteed veteran minimum for a season. So I guess those two will kind of be battling it out for that final 15th man. But I really like the optionality, as Kevin Pritchard would say, of, hey, what if somebody gets released off of a roster during training camp that the Pacers have interest in and they can sign that person to a two-way? So I don't think any of the names that you talked about, the Benny Boatwrights, the David Stocktons, the Justin Andersons, the Norvell Pells, you know, any of them are probably going to get the two-way deal. Um it's just kind of up in the air at this point, but I, I think it's nice to have the flexibility, Fachi, and and kind of see what they could do moving forward. But yeah, really excited though uh, about the young core of this team, regardless, because they brought some magic yesterday to Lucas Oil Stadium. They absolutely did. I mean, look, the, you know, look, the Colts pulled off the win, but seeing the Pacers core there in the beginning, I mean. Alex, was pretty fun. You know, let's go through some of the names. Andrew Nemhart, Kendall Brown, Chris Duarte, Benedict Matherin, Terry Taylor, Tyrese Halliburton, Aaron Neesmith, and Langston Galloway himself in he the is. building. Yeah. Watch out, James Johnson. <laughs> interesting to see him get the invite. Yeah. Uh, was not expecting that, but also did notice, you know, no Miles Turner, no Shaper set. I mean, did that surprise you? Could they have had plans where they were busy? I don't know. But what did you make of that group or maybe who was missing from it? Yeah, to be honest with you, I was a little bit surprised um, when I didn't see O'Shea there. But with that being said, it's not the end of the world to me. But uh, as we're talking now, Fachi, the Pacers have just released their 2022-2023 training camp roster. So I think that's really interesting. Um uh, Divadas Servitas is on the roster for training camp. I know that Rick Carlisle mentioned he had an ankle injury, so he will not be ready for the start of it. But you got James Johnson there. You've got, um, like you said, Langston Galloway. I'm trying to think if they only have 19 guys here. I can't I can't tell if it's 19 or 20. I haven't counted it yet. But um, really, really kind of cool to see that come out right now. But overall, I just feel like wasn't too concerned about who or who wasn't or who was there. Just cool to see Tyrese embracing the city even more by hitting the anvil. I know that I think Victor Oladipo has done it before as well, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's usually one of the faces of the franchise. Maybe Miles Turner has done it as well. But, you know, usually a guy that's going to be here long term does it. So it's really cool to see that flashy. But, yeah, man, I, I'm a, I thought it was great. The, the Colts needed that win yesterday. It was the ugliest win probably. Um, that they've had <laughs> over the last seven games. But with that being said, they needed it. And uh, I only think the worst win that I saw besides that was probably the Denver Broncos. Win. Oh, my God. I mean, we are just playing disgusting football right now. An 11-10 to 10 win. That's something you see in baseball. 
So, look, I'll take it however we can get it. Um, yes, everybody listening, I am a Denver Broncos fan, if you haven't heard. But, <laughs> you know, also, just going back to Tyrese Halliburton, Alex, I feel like the Pacers are doing everything right to make Halliburton feel like the guy over here between community events, bringing him into the Colts game, just just everything. They're setting him up to be happy here. I mean, could, is there anything they could be doing more right now? I feel like they're, they're nailing it. I mean, besides kissing his feet, I don't think so, Fungi. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, hey, this is a this is a fantastic young man, fantastic player. The Pacers brought him in, got him in a trade, and and now they're ready to take off. But uh, I think that Halliburton is just going to embrace whatever role he's asked to do. I think that's just the kind of personality he is, and I think he's only going to be positive about this team. And I think that's what we need right now as we're going through a rebuild. But interesting note here, Fachi, just want to say this real quick before we move on. Uh, I don't know if we have anything else to, to say before we bring on our guest, Tyler Smith and take a break, but only 18 players on the training camp roster, the team is allowed to have up to 20. So those there's two spots still open, Fachi. That to me is a little bit interesting. It really is. And I feel like flexibility is something that the Pacers are majorly emphasizing. I mean, they have kept that open roster spots, you know, throughout the whole offseason. They've kept cap room significantly open. I feel like they must still be active behind the scenes, trying to get some sort of deal done and just not had the success. But I do like the flexibility. Absolutely, Pachi. I mean, that's that's what's cool. So I haven't really seen that. They've always kind of maxed themselves mm-hmm. out with guys and guaranteed contracts and whatever. So awesome. Uh, maybe somebody gets released and they can pick somebody up. Who knows? But you never know. With that being said, anything else you want to bring up before we bring on our guest? Uh, yes, actually, one more thing. We learned that Malcolm Brogdon mentioned when being traded that the Pacers gave him the option to pick amongst a few different teams. And that Brogdon picked Boston because he wanted to win. Now, this makes me you know, feel like it, it goes in line with what we said last time. Did the Pacers get the best trade offer for Brogdon or did they settle? We both agreed. We thought they settled to get a deal done. This makes it feel a little bit more evident. What was your reaction on, hey, they did right by Brogdon, but still wonder, was there a better offer out there? I mean, there might have been. You know what I mean? It probably was something very similar to what they got from Boston in terms of a trade package. I don't think if it was like significantly better than what they got back that they would have been like, okay, dude, (laughs) we're going to give you the option for like a decent return for us or a great return for us. They would have taken the great return. So I think all of them probably felt similar in value. I would love to know what other teams were going after him just because it would be interesting. To find out, I would not be surprised if Minnesota had interest in him as well, just because we know that D'Angelo Russell is not like a long-term fit there. Um, I, th- I think I think they were trying to trade him, but he was kind of viewed as a negative contract. But with that being said, I mean, I'm sure there's other suitors out there for him, but kudos to Malcolm for being able to pick his situation. And obviously, he didn't have any idea that there was going to be this much drama in Boston when he picked that. But no. still a really talented team, and hopefully they can overcome this adversity, this nonsense that's been kind of going on. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of over all of that stuff that's going on there because uh, we don't know any details, and I really don't need to know any details. You know, just, uh, just ready to move on from that situation. But I think there's some other stuff that was interesting as well that came out today, Fachi, from former Pacers, T.J. Warren, said that he is his foot is healthy, but he's not cleared to play. Kind of interesting there. And I really just want for TJ Warren's 
uh, success and, and future to be able to get out there because this guy's talented. But man, it is so frustrating that he's not able to to play right now. And the fact that it's been almost two years, I mean, probably over two years since we've seen him, uh, just really seen him, I guess you could say. It's just kind of sad. It's really sad. Alex, the last time that TJ Warren played in a game it was December of 2020. Okay. I mean, December wow. 29th to be exact. I mean, it's it's gotten scary. It's gotten sad. Whatever it is, I, to, to not be healed by this point, I mean, we've seen people return from torn Achilles in about you know five six months in the NFL, which is still shocking and probably not good. But we've also seen you know ACL and MCL tears last a year or so. TJ Warren, you know his injury lingering nearly two full years is uh, it's very sad, and I will always be rooting for that man. But really hope to see him out there as soon as possible. No, you're you're spot on there, Fachi. It's just. Man, just a bummer because I like this guy's talent. I think he's on a really good team in the in the Nets, and I think he could be a huge part of their success. And you know, I wish nothing but you know the best for some of the guys that have left here. Obviously, hoping that Domas can help lead the Kings to a playoff berth for the first time in forever. I hope Malcolm has a really good playoff run with Boston. Like I, I have no uh, bad feelings towards these guys that left. I'm just glad that they're on uh, different teams with different opportunities, and the Pacers are able to move forward in the direction that we need them to. But uh, another thing I thought that was interesting, Fachi, we talked about it off air. Um, you want to you wanna share one of the most interesting short quotes that we saw today on social media? Uh, which quote was that? Oh, was, was this, yeah. yeah. Was this from DeAndre Ayton? <laughs> well, well, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, I mean, well, DeAndre Ayton, just overall, I mean, the most cut and dry interview you'll ever hear. And they asked him if he's happy to be back in Phoenix. He was like, deal got done, I guess. And that was that was pretty much just about it. I mean, you gotta wonder, did he really want to get out of there? And I mean, that make, makes me really feel like he might have been really excited to be an Indiana Pacer and be out of there. But you know, he got the money he wanted in the end. But man, that guy looked anything but happy. Oh man, I thought the funniest thing about that clip was when the, when the guy said, "That's it." He goes, "Yeah." Yeah, literally <laughs> nothing else to add. It was like, whew, man, um, okay. I mean, for a Max guy, yeah, you don't look that thrilled. But, man, I, I wonder if things would have been different if he was at media day for the Pacers talking about joining this team. You got to imagine he would have had a little bit more to say. Can we just can we just dream it into existence for next Pacers media day? Like, can we finally get this trade done in the offseason? That would be uh, ideal for me. <laughs> Which, I, I mean, but with that, you know, I mean, we're obviously overlooking all of this. I'm sure it really doesn't mean that much, but mm -hmm. it's fun to sleuth. It's fun to put your tinfoil hat on and be like, oh, what did he mean by this? Right. I mean, that's just the nature of drama. And I think that's what we like to, to see for some fans. You know, uh, we like the storylines as much as we like to play on court. I personally like to play on court better than the storylines, but the storylines are always fun to talk about. So I am keeping an eye on that, though, just because I would like to see how he plays with Phoenix. It's already interesting to me that Jay Crowder is going That's to be traded out. from that team. And he's, you know, put out some tweets where he wanted out and then like deleted them quickly. And those were like screenshotted by people that saw it. And it's just like, you know, I, I'm not sitting here like the, the Suns have had a very interesting offseason but the whole Robert Sarver thing, him going to sell the team now, Jay Crowder wanting out, looks like they're going to try to get Cam Johnson onto an extension before the season starts. You know, how much money do they really have? Chris Paul's getting older. 
The West is getting better. I mean, this Phoenix team is a very interesting team to watch this entire season. And I'm just curious how this DeAndre Ayton dynamic plays out because if he kind of gets mopey and kind of gets frustrated with things again, I mean, I'm a little bit worried about what his future could look like in Phoenix. Hey, if you want to call it worried, maybe I'll call it excited. I don't know. Look, I don't <laughs> want to dive back into, you know, that month span where all we did was say, when are we when are we signing Aiden? When are we signing Aiden? But, yeah, you could see it crumbling over there a little bit. I mean, I do think things will probably get a little bit better when, once Robert Sarver sells the team. But for now, it's definitely a storyline to be watching. I think secretly deep down, all of us Pacer fans are just hoping – we, we get one of those quotes eventually with saying that he was really excited to come here, but I can't imagine him saying that without it starting some major drama in Phoenix. Uh, absolutely, Flatchy. So, I mean, kudos to the Suns for being able to match the, the, the offer sheet and getting DeAndre Ayton back. He's a really good player. And, you know, the Pacers, I, I, I still give them props for going out and doing it. And even though they didn't work out and they probably didn't feel like they had a great chance of getting him without the sign and trade, like they've kind of talking about, uh, talked about, you know, on, on the record, I think Pritchard even talked about it a little bit, you know. Uh, Carlisle talked about it, you know. But it's just interesting, man. It really is. But with that being said, lengthier first segment here than we probably planned on doing. So we apologize for that. But we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to bring on Tyler Smith from Indy Sports Legends to give us all the highlights and give us some of his thoughts while he was there today at Pacers Media Day. Joining us now is the one and only Tyler Smith, who was at Media Day today, got some great coverage. If you're not following Tyler on Twitter, make sure you guys do that. Tyler Smith underscore ISL for Indie Sports Legends is what the ISL stands for. But Tyler is on it today. Uh, Tyler, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Long time no talk, guys. Uh, keep up the great coverage. It's great to be back and uh, great that Pace for Basketball is coming back. That it is. I mean, hey, it, Media Day really makes it feel like it's right around the corner. And, you know, today I thought it was great to see the players, especially back, you know, in the uniforms and everything. I felt like the vibe seemed really good. You talk, you know, there's a lot of talk about it being a young team, but also the word fun came up a lot from many different players. I mean, what was kind of the vibe like being there? Yeah, it was a little different than normal. Um, I think this was my eighth media day. It's my 10th season, um, but I started covering late in, in 14, and there was one year that there was uh, no media day, uh, exactly how we typically do it. So I think this is my eighth one, and each one of them feels a little different. There's a lot of the similar, you know, a lot of similarities uh, among them, but today was kind of like everybody just seems like they're on board with the mission of being um, – forward thinking, thinking long-term, uh, thinking about how fun this team can be, how hard they're going to play, uh, the competition in practice. And it's really pretty refreshing because, as you guys know, there's a lot of fans that have been pretty frustrated the last several years with comments like, we want to be a tough out or we want to make the playoffs. Now, um, even if they're not uh, looking great on paper in terms of wins or losses in a lot of people's eyes, there's at least direction. There's at least – uh, movement and uh, I think the vibe of today was uh, just one of excitement for a new era. Absolutely, man. And I think it's always interesting to hear from the players, especially those that have been involved in trade rumors all summer long, um, i.e., Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Um, but before I get into that, I'm just curious um, did not see him in any pictures at Media Day, but was Daniel Tice present today? And if not, did they give a reason why he wasn't there? 
So Tony East and I were talking about this because Tony was like, where is this guy? Is he even real? <laughs> and so we asked uh, Wes, we asked him if he was coming and he said yes, but later. Um, but at that point, I'm not sure if Tony stuck around longer, um, but I had left before uh, he entered the building. But Wes said that he was going to be there. So he's the one guy that I did not see, but Wes said he was coming. So. Man, this really does feel like the most like mysterious Pacers acquisition. He's been left out of so many like, you know, pictures on Twitter from the Pacers or, you know, you mentioned Media Day right over here. It just still makes me wonder if he'll really play for the Pacers or not. But basketball right around the corner, it makes it seem like he's got to show up at some point. But also, you know, I thought one of the best things that you you posted from Media Day was Miles Turner's interview. And I think that Miles really wanted to squash some of the trade rumors and, and, you know, his name being out there for a while. But when it came to an extension, it seemed that uh, Miles really didn't want to talk much about it. What was your vibe on the Pacers and Miles Turner extension talks? Yeah, he definitely addressed that. And actually, he said up front that this is the the one and only time he's going to talk about it. So um, if you didn't see it, make sure. I don't know if uh, Pacers YouTube may have it, but I've got a a video of that on my Twitter. But he addressed the DeAndre Ayton stuff and, um, you know, the contract. Uh, I the vibe I got actually goes back to last Thursday. Kevin Pritchard in the front office, they put on a luncheon for for the media and they talked about him uh, a little bit and. I think you can read between the lines. I think a lot of fans probably already understand this, but it seems to me like at some point in the past year, the Pacers were interested in offering him an extension, but what they offered um, was probably something that Miles and his agent were thinking, we can do a lot better than that, especially when, you know, Sabonis is gone. He's going to play at the five. He's going to play with Halliburton. Uh, They think he's going to have better numbers. Um, we, we know already about the defense, but he's probably thinking he and his camp are probably thinking we can do better than this. So we're going to bet bet on myself, as they say. So the vibe that I get is that the Pacers would be interested, but really on their terms, it would still be a substantial offer. It's not going to be some max contract, but um, it would still be you know a pretty good chunk of change because I think they do value him uh, quite a bit. Um, probably more than maybe some other teams uh, why he's not been traded to this point, but uh, there's always that chance that he plays himself into a bigger offer from his home team. Uh, but I think most of us believe uh, that this year will be his last. And at some point he's going to get dealt uh, this season. But I do like that he is owning up to the fact of like, Hey, once again, I've been in rumors four or five years, but he said, as long as I'm wearing this uniform, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to represent myself in the state the best that I can. And uh, you know, all that other stuff will kind of take care of itself. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting stuff too. And I mean, it's one of those things where it's hard for some fans to like understand like what's going on here. I read the tea leaves a lot, maybe sometimes too much. And I felt like everything Pritchard had to say about him felt like uh, it was a non-committal thing when it came to miles and didn't really want to get into too much of it, but that's what it felt like to me. But I will say this, Rick Carlisle is always so fascinating to listen to when he talks. And I know that he can kind of be intimidating to a certain degree as a uh, someone that covers a team and asking him questions because uh, if he doesn't like your question, you know, he can be kind of snarky about it. But with that being said, I really enjoyed what he had to say today. I went back and watched a YouTube video of that. And one of the things that really stood out to me was him talking about this rotation and how it's going to be a 10-man rotation at minimum. Uh, how deep do you think this rotation gets and um, any idea on what the rotation looks like in your eyes? 
That's a good question. I wish we had a little more time actually today to kind of talk about what he's thinking in terms of uh, starting positions, especially at the wing, like which one of those three guys is going to come off the bench. Is it a fluid situation? Um, But I like the fact that he, this is another uh, philosophy that's going to be different. He said, even with Halliburton, we're not going to push him to the max. Like he, he said, it would be easy to play him 40 minutes a game, but we're not going to do that. We're going to have a lot of depth. We're going to use it to our advantage. Um, and so he even mentioned guys like McConnell and, you know, he's like, don't be worried about um, some of these guys getting minutes. There's, there's going to be plenty of minutes to go around. So I still, I, I'm still a little unsure on who I think is going to end up starting. It's probably um, maybe best if a guy like, you know, Chris Dorte comes off the bench because he can uh, create and get his buckets leading that second unit. Maybe that's what ends up happening. I'm not sure, but you know, I, I'm seeing probably, 11 or so guys that I think um, should be in the rotation with the chance for 12. And then obviously injuries sneak in there, but um, I, I really don't know what's going to be, but I do like the fact that that was, you know, from day one um, kind of the, the commitment of the organization, the new philosophy that not only are we doing this for uh, developmental purposes, but we're also going to do this, use it to our advantage with fresh legs and different lineups, harder to scout type stuff. I do think that's the direction they need to go in because what is you know, viewed as a developmental year, you have a lot of young talent on this team that can only really grow with playing time. A guy like you know the Alex and I have discussed that needs minutes, Terry Taylor. It's hard to find out where he'll be in the rotation, but he's someone we've heard Chad Buchanan rave about. But also, uh, you know, we heard Isaiah Jackson mention that he's worked on gaining weight so he can bang down low. I, you know, you tweeted that out, and that's something that. Alex and I have talked about it. he's got to muscle up. He's got to put on some size. You know, maybe maybe it was Isaiah, but was there anyone that you saw that maybe looked a little bit physically different than last year? Uh, I mean, definitely Isaiah. And he that was like almost half of probably like his session was talking about bulking up, which is cool. And he just kept saying, I want to bang down low. I want to keep banging down low. And uh, but he still um, I think it was Tom asked about his, is he still able to uh, get up and down at the same kind of speed? He said, oh, definitely. He said, we're going to be a, a run and gun transition type team. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, other than that, I think even just guys like um, Halliburton uh, looks a little more toned, uh, getting a chance for him to be comfortable. And he talked about even just, you know, the food that he eats and places that he goes, being able to know all of that kind of stuff. Um with his roots here in Indiana. And then I, I obviously didn't see him last year, but uh, Ben Matherin uh, just looks chiseled. He looks <laughs> he looks ready to go. It was my first time seeing him up close, and I was like, okay, this guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Matherin is someone that, I mean, he's been chiseled from day one. So, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what he looks like. Obviously, he's the rookie that everyone's going to be most focused on, but I think there is some, you know, interest in seeing what, both Nimhart and Brown can do, but talk to me about Matherin. This is your first interaction with him. Like you just said, what, what are your takeaways from him and, and what do you think this season might look like for him? I think the message I keep hearing when it comes to the front office or teammates about him uh, or coaching is that he has a very high ceiling. Um, he may not, you know, be there from day one, which is what a lot of fans want for a high draft pick, but um, that kind of goes into, again, the philosophy of this uh, this season and the future for the organization. Um, there's a lot of people saying he's going to take his lumps. He's going to have ups and downs. 
Uh, but his willingness to learn is a big thing because you see a lot of talented players who have a high ceiling, but maybe their work ethic or maybe they're a little stubborn in their ways and, and maybe it takes longer to reach their ceiling. But a guy like Matherin, everything we're hearing is that he is he wants to learn. Uh, Coach Carlisle said that um, he went straight to him and said, Coach, you can tell me anything and I want it. So that's that's really important. Um, I think, again, because of the philosophy of the organization, I think there's probably a good chance he's going to be a starter uh, from day one. But even if he is a six man, going to get a ton of minutes, a ton of reps. Uh, he's already clicked um, with Tyrese. Uh, he's clicked with some other guys. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, while nothing should be given, I do want to see the organization 110% behind Matherin putting him in position to succeed and a starting role would be great, but man, I just love everything he's bringing to the table. And his recent article, I believe to the players tribune uh, that came out over the weekend was just awesome and a must read for everyone. But one thing that I, I really noticed is, you know, they mentioned how it's been really competitive the last two or three weeks in square and scrimmages. You know, the players are really involved in a group chat. It feels like they're young, hungry, and want to grow together. I mean, were you able to sense that vibe that this could be a team that could be sustainable for years to come as they grow together? Absolutely. And that's just a huge part of it. Cause obviously, you know, again, media day is kind of the place where it's all, all rosy and it's like, Hey, we're going to do this and this and the excitement. Um, but just as you said, like that, that's such a key. I mean, you guys saw, you know, Jalen Smith's interview. How many times did he say the word fun? Like it was probably over 10 times. Mm -hmm. um, so many players mention how fun, competitive uh, youth movement, all that stuff. Even the, the old guy, TJ McConnell, like he, he said, like, you know, hey, I, I feel really old compared to these guys, but it's a lot of fun. But um, it's just a really cool uh, focus as well. And, and the fact of them getting there early going up and down uh, Tyree said that he, uh, he and Matherin often play against each other to uh, battle each other. And then now they're going to uh, use this week to start playing together and, and kind of build that chemistry. But um, that's just cool to see, especially when the, the face of the franchise is so young himself, uh, but already, you know, a few years in feels like a season vet uh, and the way he leads. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. We we talked a little bit about Miles and obviously the contract extension and the trade stuff and the DeAndre Ayton stuff. I mean, we've been covering that a lot, but I'm just curious, you know, Buddy Hield is another guy that was mentioned multiple times in trade rumors this offseason as well. Did he get asked about that at all, or was there anything interesting that Buddy had to say about today's media day? Yeah, one of his first questions was asked about like, hey, you're, you know, you're used to the trade rumors. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, just kind of joking with it. But um, he he said, I mean, really that first week or two that he was here, how much he liked uh, the way Rick uh, coaches and how he's free. He said, I'm free to be myself here. Um, he was then later on asked about like, hey, do you feel like we saw how capable of a passer and how capable of a defender you actually are? And then he once again, uh, he's like, no disrespect to Sacramento, but they had certain guys and you know, they had the ball, and I was just kind of doing my job, um, being a shooter in the corner. But here I'm, I'm asked to do more. It's more free. I can be myself. So he just seems to really like it here, embrace his role here, um, and he, I think he's got a good uh, head on his shoulders, like Miles. Um, these are guys that have had the rumors kind of nonstop the last, you know, three or four years, maybe longer. And uh, Miles and him both kind of talked about, like, if you're thinking about that, you know, you're just going to get anxious, you're going to get stressed. Um, 
you, you can't worry about it. You just got to worry about uh, the next day. And I think at least from day one here, it seems like th they have a group of guys that are going to have a good head on their shoulders and uh, focus on just the next day. You know, speaking of another you know, good head on his shoulders, Tyrese Halliburton, look, always says the right things, always has a great smile. I mean, just a, an awesome face of the franchise, but it's obvious all eyes are on him, and this is a new spot for him. Uh, you know, he mentioned about how he does feel very confident in being a leader, but really is being kind of like a first-time leader. Now, he mentioned his mom and his girl, keep him leveled, but how do you feel that he's handling being you know, the face of the franchise, being a leader for this team. It seems wise beyond his years. I mean, it's just like everything the guy does, um, to me, it's it just, it turns to gold. I mean, it's like how he handles himself, the way he's in the community, um, the way he is a, a teammate, a leader. Um, I also love something he said about McConnell. He said, he said, I love that guy. Uh, McConnell is a guy that um, hypes me up when I really need it. He knows, like he can tell when I need to be hyped up and he knows when to get on me. And I mean, just to have like the guy who everyone is looking towards as this is, you know, whatever you want to call it, the next Reggie or just, you know, basically the, the face of the franchise for him to still um, talk about his veterans that way, talk about his young teammates that way, hype them up, like, He's learning on the fly, and I think, uh, you know, he he also talked today about being, you know, showing the human side of NBA players, and I just think he's the perfect fit. Um, talking to the front office last week about when that, you know, they were adamant that this is the guy that we want and we're going after, and they kept saying he is not available, and uh, they said, well, he's not available until he is, and we got him, and that's a, a franchise-altering move, and I think he's the guy for the job. I love hearing that. I mean, the fact that they kind of circled this guy as a guy to go after and they got him. I mean, that's that's pretty big. So I, I'm just curious from your standpoint, maybe not a question of like something that stood out to me or Fachi, but is there something that stood out to you that we haven't asked you about yet? Um, I think I think you guys have, have covered the big ones. Um, I was trying to think about, I mean, we saw so many guys kind of right in a row. Um, and it was a little different than than previous years, but I, I don't know. I just think the the fact that the a lot of people want to talk about win totals and timelines and all this stuff. And um, Pritchard talked the other day about like, hey, I'm I'm not interested in timelines. And the fact that development, how quickly development happens, is different for different guys and different teams. And so that could move the process up or slow it down. We just don't know yet, but it seems to me like from top to bottom, we're talking ownership, front office coaching, and now the players today are all completely united in this. Like this is, we're going to play as hard as anybody in the league. We're going to shock some teams. We're going to win big games. We're also, they acknowledge we're going to have periods of adversity. We may have some stretches of, of not the best basketball but everybody seems to be united um, into the future. And today, kind of got that confirmation that it was the players too. Like we heard last week that it's all about ownership for an office and coaching, which is really, really important to be united. But today, it seemed like one after another, every player was saying similar things, and that's kind of rare. So that was a, a big takeaway from today. Hey, you know, earlier you talked about how how much Hal Burton really values McConnell, and McConnell is now you know the old guy, the veteran, however you want to put it. I mean, obviously Miles Turner called himself like the old guy on the team, but he's only twenty six. When you're talking about 
TJ McConnell, he mentioned the vibe's different. I mean, they've really turned over this roster. Only him, Miles, and Goga are the, they're the only players from three years ago. So a lot has changed. And McConnell also mentioned he's got a different perspective because when he was out with the wrist injury last year, he got to really see the guys play a lot. But what do we feel McConnell's role will be this year when you also got Andrew Nemhar that obviously the Pacers are high on right behind him in the lineup? Yeah, I was curious about his playing time. Uh, but that's one thing Carlisle said today. He made it a point to say, like, if you're worried about playing time for McConnell, um, there's going to be playing time. I don't know if that means every single game rotation. Um, maybe it's a similar similar vibe as someone who ends up being, you know, a third string big. He's like, well, I mean, there's, you know, the occasional injury or different matchups that are going to get playing time. Not really sure uh, if what he was really implying, um, but the fact that McConnell as a veteran now, as a leader, um, he's he's going to get his minutes. I think he's still really important for the team in City to have a guy to to ra- uh, rally around. And uh, he said the last time he was on a young team, he was super young himself. So he said his head was spinning. He said, now I just really know. And, and last year being out kind of helped him even more mentally. And he said, it's my job um, to the guys that are here every single day to be a voice, to help any way I can, make them better teammates. And even when you're rebuilding, you need guys like that around, at least for a little bit. One of the players that I've kind of been interested in that I haven't heard much from the coaching uh, staff, the front office, anything like that, or even other players, is O'Shea Brissett. Um, This is a guy entering a contract year as well, similar to Miles Turner, and really one of the only true wings they have and probably the only real wing they have that's going to be in the rotation consistently. So did you hear anything today about O'Shea from anybody? And if you did, did you hear from O'Shea himself? I'm just curious because I would like to know just a little bit more about what they're saying about him and what his role might be like. What's interesting about that is O'Shea was the first guy that I saw today walking in the Ascension St. Vincent uh, Center. And so I was thinking, you know, he wasn't even like uh, dressed up in his gear yet, but he's the first one I saw, got in the elevator. I'm not sure that I saw him outside of one photo after that. And uh, to my, at least when I was in that room, um, I don't think he was mentioned. Um, That's not to say that people don't think highly of the guy. I think there's all these other storylines that are going on. Maybe that's kind of their way of being like, we know what we're getting out of O'Shea, the the high energy, the, you know, the shooter, the, you know, all the intangibles he brings. Um, But I wish I had a better answer for you, but I did not really see uh, him uh, he's one of the few that I didn't really see outside of when I first came in. Um, but I'll have to go check and see if any other guys uh, had a chance to talk to him afterward. You know, it's it's nothing that we'll have a definitive answer on, but Jalen Smith mentioned that Indiana was always at the top of his list, but still wanted to compare what other teams could offer in terms of you know more compensation. We've still never heard another team that was really serious about Jalen Smith. Not really a media day question, but – is there a team or two that really came to mind? Because we've heard that he turned down higher offers, but he's never been linked elsewhere. Yeah, the only thing I really heard over the past week is that he definitely had uh, more money on the table, and I believe it was at least two other teams. I don't know who the teams were, um, but neither team uh, was even close to guaranteeing you know a, a certain amount of playing time, a starting spot. And so I, I liked when Jalen was talking about that today, it, not just the money. He was like, what can they offer me? And he made it clear to say, and I'm not just talking money. Like, what can they offer me mm-hmm. uh, from a developmental standpoint? And, uh, you know, credit 
especially Rick Carlisle for being the the driving force behind, hey, this is the best place for you to be. And we're going to do everything we can to then in two years, you know, set yourself up for a big payday. And hopefully it's with us. Like Carlisle mentioned that as well. Hopefully it's here. Um, but opportunity is huge. And uh, you hear a lot of stories, um, mainly more, I think, older in, in, in older times where guys uh, actually took a little bit less money because they had the playing time and they used that to end up making up more than making up for that money later on. So don't know specific teams. I just know there was at least two that had higher offers out there. And that's pretty cool uh, when a guy chooses to stay when they didn't think it would happen. You're spot on there. And it's, it's, it's really fun to have Jalen Smith with us here. So for me, I, I don't have any more questions about media day. I think that we pretty much covered it all, but Tyler today is a pretty exciting day because we are celebrating four years of setting the pace. And it's, it's quite funny because some people aren't sure we actually launched this back in 2018 with you uh, the three of us were doing this on about a weekly basis, I think. And then it just kind of got to the point where we started doing more episodes and, and life got busy for you. So we, uh, you know, we let you do your thing and you were coaching girls basketball. I think you still are, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, uh, you know, you got a lot of stuff on your plate. And so me and Fachi said, OK, we're going to keep it going, even though Tyler can't consistently be here. But, you know, man, just four years thinking about it, thinking about how far, you know, the show's come and how far we all have come in our own personal, you know, growth here as Pacers people covering the team in a certain way. Uh, you know, do you have any fond memories of, uh, of the podcast when we first started it and uh, anything else that you'd like to share about the four-year memory? Yeah. First of all, it's crazy how fast time flies. I know it's cliche to say, but um, yeah, I saw that pop up on my time hop and I was like, how could it have been four years? I mean, <laughs> I, if I were to guess, I probably would have said two years, maybe I'd go to a third year, but four, I mean, come on now. <laughs> So that's that's my first thought is how fast time has gone. But definitely fond memories. You know, the, the episode with Jermaine O'Neal comes to mind for sure. Um, you know, the the Mount Rushmore episodes, the uh, just the back and forth of predictions um, from a, a time where, you know, the Pacers, it was obviously a, a different squad. But there's been a lot happen, a lot of big storylines in those years. And uh, you guys have done an amazing job keeping it up and, and especially with so many amazing guests week after week. And I can only hope that the Pacer organization takes as big of a leap in the next three, four years as the podcast has. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate that. Always remember where we started. So always great to have you on. I mean, Tyler, was there maybe like an interview or something that you saw from afar of being like, how'd they get this guy? Or like, oh, that's a, that's a pretty cool one. Any, anything of that sort? Well, I think anytime, you know, former players or actually, um, you know, landing Halliburton and getting, uh, you know, some guys who, uh, you know, just like current players or current um, current guys uh, on the beat who, you know, at times are like, yeah, we've got all this going on. And we, you know, we don't really have time. But the fact of them saying yes uh, and so many people saying yes uh, just speaks to. To how cool that is, and obviously Pacer legend Lance and uh, and Halliburton getting those guys on there, O'Shea. Um, that's obviously uh, you know something that's really cool um, for fans to kind of get more of a, a long form, uh, more of an intimate setting. Yeah, it's totally different from when they're getting interviewed at media day and stuff like that because they're more laid back, not as polished with their answers, and you know we can kind of break them in a little bit with some different questions and sometimes it does take a little bit of time throughout the interview to kind of loosen them up but you know it, it's been really cool man and i think you know you do a great job covering the team and i know it's 
been a, a lot of changes for you over the last four seasons, really covering this team for us and in general too, just because of the different coaches that we've had and the direction of the team and the amount of players that we've seen coming and out of here. It's just, it's wild to think that we are where we are right now as a franchise. But I think if I was speaking for all of us, Tyler, I would say that we're all probably more excited about where this team is going now than when we first started doing the podcast back in 18. Absolutely. And that's a thing that, that fans really seem to understand. And and it's kind of crazy to me that I've, I've already got fans in my mentions saying things like, Oh, they're, you know, they're saying things that we always hear and like, no, it's not, it's not quite the same thing at all. Um, uh, or I've seen comments about like Carlisle and Pritchard need to win or that, you know, it's like, well, that's again, that's, they would love to win, but that's not, you know, not the absolute focus of this year and, and beyond. And, and I know this has been said before as well, but it's like, you know, whatever the Pacers, the, the win total of last season, if they were to do that exact win total this year, it would feel much different. Um, hopefully they get more, but it's like, there's at least direction. There's at least excitement Last year, the last couple of years, they just felt stuck. They're in no man's land. They're kind of in the middle. Like they hope to get out of first round. There's kind of a, a little bit of uncertainty amongst um, certain players. The chemistry, we're kind of questioning all of that. Uh, waning attendance, things of that nature. The energy completely flipped when Halliburton walked through the door. Now there's even more young players. Um, forget the win total for this year. Focus on the development the fun of the game and the direction that they were going. Absolutely. Look, the expectations are far different than any other year, just like we mentioned before, but the excitement feels like a far different level of excitement going into this year, <laughs> despite, you know, the win expectations being a total opposite direction of previous years. So, you know, I, I think speaking from everybody that we've talked about, I mean, talked with, this is much needed, and I'm very happy the organization recognizes that. But, Tyler, as we wrap up, please tell everybody where they could find you on social media. Yeah, as Alex mentioned on Twitter, Tyler Smith underscore ISL, um, sportslegends.com and uh, anything I that we do through the Journal Review through Crawfordsville um, will get posted that Twitter account as well. But also join us on Facebook, Pacers Talk. Um, we've got uh, the podcasts and articles and uh, just kind of a place that is, uh, you know, we, we filter it out. So anything that's non-Pacer related, um, we uh, we don't allow. So Pacer Talk only. Go to Facebook and go to Pacers Talk and you'll find us on there. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, we will definitely have you back on throughout the season to get your takes on what's going on. Uh, and, and super excited for you guys to finally be able to get back into the locker room for interviews and stuff like that. So uh, Going to be a fun season, Tyler, and thanks again for coming on. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep it up. All right, Fachi, that was a fun episode. Here is to another year of incredible Pacers basketball content from us as we try to bring you guys everything that you want to hear. But, man, I'm just excited for this season, Fachi. Feels so much different than previous years. It really does. Like, man, we mentioned it before with Tyler, but it's like expectations have never been lower, and the excitement – is through the roof. I mean, really compared, I feel like last year we were, we were looking at that, you know, trying to sell ourselves on it. Like this team could be, you know, maybe like a six seed, maybe a fifth, you know, whatever it is. Now it's like, look, it's it's going to be bad, and I can't wait for it because we're going to see player development. The youth movement is there. These players, they're bonding together, and it's like I want to see their games grow. I want, I'm, I'm willing to take the bad and wait for the good. When last year it was like, man, if we don't get the wins ASAP, 
Like, it's going to get ugly. This year, we know it's going to be ugly, but bring it on. Yeah, and I'll say for me personally, I feel more excited about Rick Carlisle coaching a young team like this than him coaching a team that had already been tried and, 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 and you know, and shown what they can do, uh, how high their ceiling was. Like, it was okay watching them coach the, the Pacers of previous, you know, last year before we made the move to get Halliburton and trade a Levert to Cleveland. But you could just tell, like, he wasn't enjoying it thoroughly, mm-hmm. and it feels like he is much more invested in this young core and this rebuild. And I think one thing that we know about Rick is he is a teacher above all. So he is going to embrace teaching this young core, developing this young core, and kind of like, you know, we used to talk about this when we played the Heat built, not bought. But we truly are building this roster from the ground up with these young players. And I think that the last two drafts have been very impactful, got a lot of athleticism, got shooting, got switchability defensively. You know, it's just it's just a different era of Pacers basketball, like Rick said. And I think with him being so invested in this, we're going to get the best version of Rick Carlisle um, that we can get. It's great to know that like Carlisle doesn't have to look over his shoulder for like, well, you know, I got I got to get some wins out there. Otherwise, nope, nope, nope. Like everybody, the whole front office and everyone, everyone in the organization has been behind that. We're starting over. We're doing something different to raise the ceiling of this team. And when you have the full backing and you're not one foot in, one foot out, then you could properly rebuild. Absolutely, Fachi. So with that being said, we've talked a lot today about what's been going on at Media Day, what happened over the weekend, stuff like that. So I I think this would be a good time to wrap it up. So let the people know right now, Fachi, where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. Could find us on TikTok, setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. You can check us out on YouTube at YouTube, setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. However, you want to find it on YouTube, go there. Uh, probably youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast, but that's a lot to type in. So just go into YouTube, type in setting the pace, a Pacers podcast, or go on Google, type in setting the pace on YouTube, and it'll pop right up. So, yeah, we're going to be doing more content once the actual preseason starts. We're going to start getting things kicked off over there. Uh, I'm going to be dating my uh, my show, The Blue and Golden, very soon. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube page. And please leave us a five-star rating and review if you like what you're hearing. But, Fachi, if you're excited that the first day of training camp is on September 27th and the Pacers are officially back and say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.